just, just got the look. <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're starting a new series today on miracles of all things, and um, <clears throat> it's a uh, miracles are. Why, why are we talking? Why do I want to talk about miracles today? It's because it's key and it's central to our very faith. Um, all, all religions, they all have, uh, they have, all, they have some sort of a, of a supernatural element. But the Christian faith is built on miracles. It's literally bookend between two incredible miracles. The virgin birth, you know, the, the nativity. So the virgin birth of Christ is what starts our faith off with an incredible miracle. And then the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. So our very own faith and our belief in Jesus, our walking it out, is bookend between two incredible miracles. And so uh, the, the Christian faith is built on this idea of a miracle. And what, what, is, what is a miracle? Just real quick, the definition of a miracle is something that happens that is extraordinary, that is outside uh, the natural world. It's metaphysical. It's beyond nature. You, you can't, uh, you can't, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, sometimes we, well, depends on, 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 your, on what uh, camp you fall into. Most Christians believe in miracles, but there's a large group of Christians that don't. I was actually in a church uh, two weeks ago that, that does not believe that miracles happen today. And that's, that was very difficult for me to, to be in. And I, and I really had to, I had to sit back and be reflective and be respectful of the house because it was hard for me to, to, to be around other believers that, that don't believe. I mean, it's, I, mean, I know. It, it was very difficult for me to be there. But uh, I respected the house and I kept my mouth shut. Can you imagine that? And, um, but yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very strong group of, of evangelical Christians that don't believe that, that miracles happen today. And I think it's a sad thing. I think that, uh, I, well, I think that it's important. Why do we need miracles in 21st century America? It's because, well, there's a lot of reasons. One, um, it's because God is good. It's because he actually cares for you. He, he cares about the situation you're in, whether it's a physical pain, whether it's a, an emotional issue. He cares, and he wants to heal. He wants to touch. He wants to bring heaven to earth in your life. So, so he cares. Miracles also empower the believer. So they, they, they will bring you comfort. They'll bring your friends and your family comfort. But they will also empower the believer. It will give you a confidence uh, most American evangelicals, they, they walk around in insecurity about their own faith. But when the power of God comes on you, you have, you have a supernatural confidence that is unshakable. And I think this is lacking. And, and see, when miracles, they, they will empower you. Yes, my God is real. My God is active in my life today. But the most important key, the most important element as to why miracles are important today, yeah, God loves you and he wants to heal you. Yes, uh, it empowers you. But the most important reason is bring, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. Not that God needs to be, you know, validated or, you know, he needs to, I have to have this miracle to prove that I exist. He doesn't need that. But it brings glory to God, to his kingdom and to his goodness. And so that's the main reason why it happens. Yeah, he loves you, but he, this is also to bring glory to his kingdom and to his son. And so that's why, that's why they happen today. And that's why 
it is, my, it is of my opinion, and this is, this is my little controversial, it is of my opinion that, that believers, that American evangelicals, they ought to be seeking the supernatural. They, I mean, really, Josh? Say, yeah, really. You, you ought to be looking for miracles in your life. You need to have your eyes open. Jesus talks about this all the time. He says you need to open your eyes, open your ears. You need to see the kingdom of heaven. You need to see things active. And so this is what we're going to be talking about today. You need to have it in your life. You need to be able to have the abilities to increase the supernatural in your life, to actually have a supernatural lifestyle. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, the Bible, of course, is full of miracles, and our evangelical brothers and sisters, that, that they believe, the ones that are on the other side of the camp, they believe that all the miracles stopped once we got the canon, once we got the Bible. Once this thing got put together and bound, it, it, you know, we got the Holy Bible, therefore we no longer need the Holy Spirit. It's pretty much the idea of the whole thing. It's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that thing's not going with you when you die, folks. I love the Bible. It is the objective word of God. I could not live my life without it. It, it, is, it is where I get everything. It's objective truth. It is the living word of God that, that, that we can read. I'm obsessed with it, okay? You need to know that about me. But it's not going with us. The, the Holy Spirit is what empowers us. Okay, so now in the Bible, it is, it is full of miracles. And it, in the way that I read it, in the way that I read Acts... Read the book of Acts. It's difficult to get it around your head what's really going on. It, the, these things are to continue in the church, to empower the church. Signs and wonders, miracles, healings. They are to continue. It is, it is, it is something that, that gets handed off to the church. And uh, the, again, the Bible's full of miracles. But today we're going to talk about Jesus' miracles because they're really cool. I mean, he was, he's the ultimate miracle worker. He, he brought in signs and wonders that, that blow your mind. Now, there are, um, it depends on how you look at it, there's 37 miracles that Jesus performs. 40 if you want to include, uh, you know, the virgin birth and the ascension uh, and the resurrection. Uh, 41 if you want to include the transfiguration. That's when Jesus was, was uh, kind of, you know, up on the mountain with with Moses and Elijah. So, so there's 41 miracles that Jesus performs. But today, I have a special treat for you. Today, I, ha I have discovered another miracle in the Bible that all these other scholars have forgotten about. They all looked over it, and even myself. I mean, I've read this thing a million times, and it is, it is, a, it is a big, giant miracle. But it didn't make the list. I spent, I, I, I kid you not, I spent hours searching the internet going through the lists of miracles, and this one is not included in any of them. And, and it's not because it's controversial, it's just because I think they just skipped it. So I should get a bonus. I mean, I, I really should. It's, uh, so, so just hang on, you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna highlight a special miracle in the Bible that, that, that you've probably never considered, but it's a big deal. So it's in there, it's in the message, so hopefully I'll get there. Um, I know. It would be a great cliffhanger, huh? So we have to come next week. Uh, okay. 
So a large majority of Jesus' miracles, about, uh, about two-thirds of Jesus' miracles, are for the individual. So they're, they're supernatural. So they, they involve healing of some sort, whether it's a restoring sight to the blind or hearing or you know, making the lame walk, raising the dead. So he raised Lazarus, and he raised, a, he raised a little girl from the dead, and he raised a little boy from the dead. So these are all miracles for the individual that, that revolve around healing. Hmm? And then there are the ones that, uh, that, that outdo nature. They, they're like turning water into wine and calming the storm and, and, and feeding, you know, making you know, multiples of fish, you know, the 5,000 and the 4,000. And so today we're going to be looking at, a, at an episode. We're going to be looking at one of, one of the really cool episodes uh, of Jesus' walk, his, of his miracles. And it's going to include... Uh, uh, the beyond nature type of miracles, large majority of it will be, will be that. And then it's going to include a large section of individual healings. They all kind of fit together and they're all really amazing. And so this is, if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be looking at uh, one episode, one story, but we're going to be looking at three gospels. So we're, we're going to be taking three gospels and we're going to be um, looking at the same story. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 6, okay? Now, uh, they, they all tell the same story. They tell it a little differently. Some add some stuff, some leave some stuff out, some emphasize stuff. But in every single gospel of, these, of this story, there is some incredible nuggets. And so we're going to look at all three gospels, and we're going to pull these nuggets out, and it, it's, going to be, it's going to be something. All right. Okay, the first one that we're going to look at is Mark chapter 6. And a little backstory. Um, Jesus has just sent out, Jesus sent out um, his disciples. He sent out the 12, he sent out the 42. He, he, uh, they had this big, long church conference where he taught them on the Sermon on the Mount. He empowered them. He showed them what to do, and he said, I want you to do this, and uh, not only am I teaching you how to do this, I'm going to give you my authority to pull this stuff off. And so not only did they have the head knowledge, but they had the authority to go into cities and, and, to, and to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. And they came back, and they're super amped up. This is the 12 and the 70. So this is a big chunk of, of disciples. They come back, and they're super amped up. And they said, the demons submitted to us. And then Jesus has a little heart-to-heart, said, you know what? That's not the point. He says, who cares if, if, if evil spirits submit to you? That's not the point. The point is, is your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're not quite getting it yet. We'll flesh that out in a second. And so they, they come off of this, of, the, of, a, of, a, of a church conference where they are empowered, where they went out, they did the stuff, they came back, they're super excited. And there's buzz. There's this energy. They're like drawing a crowd. Um, the, the 12, are, they're, they're doing amazing things too. And so there's just a lot of excitement. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of drama. John the Baptist just gets his head cut off. So there's... So they, have, they come back with this great report of incredible things that are going on. There's also some tension in the air. John gets his head cut off. And so there's, the, there's like, a, okay, this is, this, is, this is kind of interesting. And they're tired. They're like drained. They're physically drained. 
especially the 12. Like they, they, they've had it and they, they, they've got to get their heads around what's going on. They're seeing the kingdom of heaven expressed in incredible ways. Things are moving so fast and there's so much excitement and energy and revival going on that they, that they, they can't get their minds around it. And you know what Jesus does? He says, let's take a break. We're going we're gonna to stop. We're going to pause. We're going to reflect on what's going on in our lives. And I need you guys to think about it because I don't think you quite get it yet. And even though we see, okay, we're going to see some incredible miracles in this episode, but what we're also going to see is we're going to see the character of Christ. We just came off of a long series on the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, uh, self-control, faithfulness. So all of these things, we're going to see Jesus reflecting, uh, reflecting character as he's performing miracles. It's, it's interesting, okay? So you see Jesus, and he says, okay, it's time to take a break. All right. Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 30. Does, it, does your Bible say the apostles gathered around Jesus? Make sure I got that right. Okay, good. Let's read. Okay, uh, the apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Here we go. This is life, right? But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Okay, so they need a break. They're, they're going to escape. They're going on vacation. And then these guys hijack their vacation. Do you know what this is like? It's like, oh, finally, it is summer vacation time, and I'm out of here. I'm, getting, I'm going away. And then so you take off, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden your brother-in-law shows up. You know, they can't get away. The crowds follow them. It's like, oh gosh, we just need to breathe. We just need a break. They don't get one. All right. Okay, here we go. When Jesus landed and he saw the crowd, so he saw this large crowd that followed him, which included the 70 that he'd sent out. What's he do? This is his character. He has compassion on them. Kindness. Remember that from our series. So he, this compassion, his character is revealed when he sees these hordes of people that hunt him down because they want more. They're not giving up. They want more of whatever he's dishing out. They've got to have more. So he has compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. He says, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countrysides and the villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. That's, 
Okay. You give them something to eat, he says. They said, okay, here comes the negative spirit. Hang on, you ready for this? They said, that would take more than a half of a year's wage. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he said. What's in your hand? What do you have in your hand? What do you got? Okay, don't focus on what you don't got. You need to focus on what you do got. Does that make sense? Oh, man, I'm so broke. My finances are in the toilet. I have no money. Really? What's in, what's in the jar on, on your nightstand? You got some coins in there? You've got something. Be thankful for what you got. You got some change in your pocket? Be thankful for the change you got in your pocket. Don't be stressing about what you don't have. So Jesus corrects them. He corrects this negative spirit that's actually going to hinder a miracle, and he cuts it off in advance. He says, what do you got in your hand? He's like, all right, well, we got, we got five loaves of bread and we got some fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. All right. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. So we see the spiritual gift of administration taking place. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up into heaven, he gave thanks, broke the bread. Then he gave them, then he gave them to his disciples. They distributed uh, to the people. He also divided the, the two fish among them. They all ate, every single one of them, 5,000. Okay, emphasis, 5,000 men. So they had a counting problem back then. They only counted men. I don't know, it's like, they hadn't quite gotten to the suffrage movement yet. So, um, so only men could vote and only men could be counted. So there could have been, been 10,000 people there. So because we know that there are women and children there too. Because the Bible says that there are women and children there. So there were men, 5,000 men, and their women, if they had some, and their kids. So it, I think it's fair to say they probably had about 10,000 people there. Amazing, isn't it? So they fed that many people. They all had their fill. And then what happens? They distributed it to the people, and he divided it. Okay, and they ate. They had their satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. So they had more left over. And Jesus says, don't waste it. Verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now, I know it seems like we're going from one miracle to the next, but it's all one episode. It's all one series, and I think it's important that we look at it all together. Okay, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethesda. And while he dismissed the crowd, and after leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. So he sticks, sticks his guys in the boat, and then he goes up on the mountainside and he prays. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was all alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, uh, he went out to them, walking on the lake. Very cool miracle. We all know this one, right? Walking on water. Jesus walking on the water. Have you ever tried this? I tried it when I was in junior high. I, come on, just be honest. Did you ever try doing this when you were in junior high? I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And you walk out into your swimming pool. Uh, I guess my faith isn't that great. Uh. I must not love Jesus because I can't walk on water. Is that just me? <laughs> Am I the only one that ever did that? Probably. I don't know. Uh, uh, I got to write. Somebody rose his hand over there. All right, good. I'm not, I'm not alone. 
Jesus walks out on water. One of the coolest miracles that we've seen. All right. Um, Here we go. Underline this, if you are an underliner in your Bible. He, Jesus, who was walking on the water, was about to pass by them. What? Why is he going out there then? What's he doing? He's about to pass by them. We're going to come back to that. It's an important point. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They didn't quite get it. They didn't quite know who he was. But they cried out because they saw him and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, You take courage, it is I. It also comes across, I am. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat and with them, climbed in the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Okay, do you see how this is connected? It's two miracles, same story, same, same lesson, same moral lesson that they need to get. Because they didn't understand about the loaves. Why? Because their hearts were hardened. Why were their hearts hardened? We'll get to that. When they crossed over the land of Gesaranet and they anchored there, as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus and they ran throughout the whole region, and they carried the sick on mats to wherever they'd heard where he was. And wherever he went, into the villages and towns or the countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged to let him touch even the edge of his coat. And all who touched him were healed. Interesting, huh? So there's the episode. These guys don't get a break. So, I mean, their, their, their best break is in the boat. But they have, they have to continue just to, just to go into ministry. Now, there's, there's going to be about six things that we're going to be looking at as to how to increase in a miraculous lifestyle based off of this episode and what to look at. Okay, the first thing that I want to look at today, you can write this down. First thing is that uh, in order to have the ability to see the miraculous in your life, to, to flesh out the kingdom of heaven in your life, to see it happen, you need to position yourself. You need to, you need to take a break, or you need to just, okay, you need to, you need to detach yourself from a crazy, hectic life. And you need to position yourself to hear and to see what God is doing. So that's the first thing. Now, again, same story, different gospel. And if you want to turn there, you can. But if you don't, just listen. In John, same story, John chapter 6, in verse 14 to 15, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet. Okay, so this is... Um, uh, this is after Jesus had fed the five or 10,000, whatever number it might be, whenever Jesus fed the multitudes, miraculously with, 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 with a handful of bread and a couple of fish, the people said, this, is, this guy's important. He's a prophet. Okay, emphasis on the word prophet. They don't quite understand who he is. They this is a prophet. who has come into the world 
Now, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew to a mountainside by himself. Jesus prayed, and he kept himself humble. Okay, so there's a couple of things going on. So in Mark and in John, we see two different types of nuggets. Jesus makes his disciples get in the boat. He sends them off, and his, his intention is to, is to be by himself to go up into the mountain. So he is, he's becoming faithful to who God has called him to be. He knows that he needs to connect with the Father. So scholars, they, they will say, okay, this is one of these times where Jesus is modeling to us that we need to get alone with God. Mono y mano. No, that doesn't work for ladies. Um, one-on-one with God. You need to take a break. You need to get with God. You need to hear his, you need to hear the Father's voice. So Jesus models that to us when he, when, he, when he leaves the guys in the boat and goes up to the mountain. And there's a contrast between being up on the mountain and being down on the lake. So there's a contrast being made here. So Jesus is saying you need to get up a little bit higher and you need to get rid of anxiety in order to hear my voice. I need to say that again. You need to get rid of anxiety to hear the Father's voice. And that's what Jesus is doing. You know what else he's doing? So you see that his faithfulness of character, his, his integrity of self, and who he is in connecting with the Father. But he also knows who he is. So he's also, not, he's faithful to his call, and he knows that they don't quite understand who I am, and they're going to force me to be a king before I face the cross. Interesting, huh? So that they want, they want, uh, they want, you know, battle-hardened Jesus. They want, uh, want G.I. Joe Jesus. They, they want him to come in and, and take over the kingdom, the, the physical kingdom, not the kingdom of heaven. They want a political leader, and Jesus realizes this. One of the other miracles that's not listed in the, you know, the 41 or 37 or whatever it is, is Jesus is always reading people's minds. They don't include that one in there as, as a miracle. But Jesus is always reading your mind. Did you know that? He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He knows your soul. And so he knows us about this group of people. It says, they, they, they want to make me king. And that, that's not what the Father has called me to. So in a sense, this is another temptation. This is another huge temptation. And I'm running out of time. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Okay. Maybe I'll get to the secret miracle. All right, let's see what we can do. All right, and so he's... he's um, He's, he's being faithful to who he is and in his call, and he gets up away. But you know what else he does? He's a servant. Because they've got this crowd of really excited people, and his boys need a break. And so he sticks his guys in the boat, and he's the distraction. He handles the crowd, and he gives the crowd the slip. So this is his way of getting his disciples to spend time alone to give them a break from the crowd. So he sticks them in the boat, shifts them off. He says, okay, I'm going to handle the crowd. And then he ditches the crowd. I don't know how he does this, but it's pretty cool. Isn't that awesome? So he's not thinking about himself. He, again, this is an act of selfless. He's, and, and the commentators say, he went up on the mountain to pray for his disciples. Interesting, huh? So he's connecting with his father, but he's also praying for his guys. I think that's amazing. All right, so 
Uh, that's, that, that's what's going on. And so, um, so we have to, we, again, we have to, to center ourselves. We have to get in a place where we can actually get our head around a miracle where we can see. Second thing that we got to do is you got to pray about your problems in a healthy way. Look, um, why do you need a miracle? Because I don't know about, I need a miracle in my life and I'm expecting God for it. I need a physical healing. I need financial help. I need relational help. I'm your pastor, and I'm expecting God to do miracles in my life. Pray about it. Pray about your issues, but do it in a healthy way. Well, what does a healthy way mean? Well, uh, you don't, don't grumble, don't complain. To say, okay, present your, your, your requests, your petitions before, for, before God and expect to see them healed. Write this down. Thank God in advance for your miracle. What does Jesus do with this fish? They haven't multiplied yet. He's got five pieces of bread and a couple of stinky fish. He's got five to 10,000 people to feed. He prays and he thanks God in advance before the miracle happens, before he feeds them. That is, that is asking God into your problem in a healthy way because it begins with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving dismantles hell in your life. It will keep you from going crazy. That's how you ask for God to help you in, in a healthy way. Another healthy thing that you got to do. You need a miracle. Like you need God to break through in your life. Pray for the miracle, but focus on Jesus. That's how you do it healthy. And maybe we'll get to that. Number three, so you need to get Jesus' attention. What, really? Yeah, you do. How's your prayer life? Are, are you praying wimpy prayers? Oh, God, if it's your will, maybe you'll help me out. You know, God, I've prayed about this before, but you didn't answer, so I guess you really don't care or maybe it's not your will, or maybe this is the thorn in my side that you want me to suffer through. Maybe you want to build you know, character and perseverance. I mean, if you're praying wimpy prayers, passive prayers like that, you just stop. Because they, they, God, God can't work in those miracles, in those types of prayers. Because there's a negative tone to it. You, you look, When you pray for a need that you have, it has to move you. And if it doesn't move you, it's not going to move God. Okay, so the, the guys in the boat, I mean, Jesus is walking on the water and he's passing them by. They cried out in fear, which is, it's partly right, partly wrong. It's right in that, that they had a need because the wind was against them. They had a need because they could not get to where they needed to be. And it was a dangerous situation. And 
And they, they, they see Jesus on the water, but they say, it's a ghost. And then they cry out in fear. But see, that's the point. That, that is what they did that was right. They cried out in fear. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so they did that in a healthy way. The problem is they didn't understand who Jesus was because they didn't understand the loaves and the fish. They didn't understand the moral of the story. They didn't get the big picture. But what they did get right is they saw they saw something of a miracle worker on the water and they cried out and they got his attention. Are, do your prayers get God's attention? Do they get Jesus' attention? Of course he knows what you're praying. Of course, I mean, he hears everything. You know, he, again, he reads your mind. But the attitude of the heart and the position of the soul needs to be one of which where I am crying out to get his attention. So he does not pass me by. And if you are not serious about your state, and if you're not serious about your desire to connect with the divine and to have Jesus heal you or to intervene or to give him control, to let him in the boat, he's going to keep on walking. Mm. Do you see? He'll keep on walking. He'll let you continue steering the boat. So you've got to get his attention. I know that's a difficult thing to get your head around, but it's, it's true. All right. Next thing that we've got to get to is you've got to focus on God and not your problems. Focusing on God and not your problem. Now, we read out of Mark, but in Matthew, there's, a little, there's an extra bit that's really cool. You guys all know this. Mark and John leave it out, but Matthew flushes it out in a big way. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 through 33, he's about ready to walk by. They call out, and Jesus says, uh, but Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Okay. Only in Matthew. Only in Matthew says, um, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied. Again, they think it's a ghost. Peter's the one that says, Lord, if it's you, if this is Jesus, tell me to come to you out on uh, uh, Tell, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Amazing, isn't it? So this is that, um, look, again, this is the, this is, this is, this is, this is Peter who is weak in soul but strong in spirit. It's a spirit that encouraged him to get out in the water. Weak in soul, meaning that he was a knucklehead. Strong in spirit, meaning he was courageous to take a step of faith, to get out of the boat, to connect with Jesus. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink and cry out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? Okay, I mean, this is not, like if Jesus was a modern day life coach, this wouldn't go over too well. Like if Jesus was a, a parent 
going through a, a parenting class probably wouldn't go over too well. This isn't necessarily, like, like SeaWorld would not hire Jesus because he doesn't quite understand positive affirmation here. Um, I mean, really, like if I was Jesus and one of my disciples walked on water, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You, you, you walked 10 feet on the water. And Jesus says, you a little faith. I'm like, come on, let me give, give the guy a break. He's the only human outside of yourself that's ever walked on water. Give the guy a break. And he says, no, you have a little faith. You doubted. Why? What's the problem? He took his eyes off Jesus. And he started focusing on his problems. Ooh. Do you see? Look, you, we have problems. And the problem with our problem is that we're focusing on our problem and we're not focusing on Jesus. He's, Jesus is saying, stay focused on me. And look, whatever we're focusing on is going to dominate our lives. Whatever we're resisting is going to persist. If you're, if, if, if you're afraid of being broke, guess what? You're going to be broke. If, that, if you're obsessing about being broke all the time, then you're going to be broke. If, if you're obsessing about the law and getting locked up, guess what? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to end up in jail someday. Isn't that weird? But it's true. Because what we're resisting is going to persist because we're focusing on the wind and the waves and the turmoil and we're seeing the, the, the craziness down below and we, we, I'm going to get sucked into that. And sure enough, we do. If you're focusing on the evil that is in your house and not the glory of Jesus that's in your house, guess what? You're going to be tormented in your own house. Acknowledge that Maybe there is an evil spirit in your house. Acknowledge it, cast it out, kick it out, focus on Jesus. Because if you focus on evil, you'll end up demonized. That was heavy, I'm sorry. I, I'm, okay, so. All right. Immediately, okay, and there's a little faith, and he climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat, they worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Mark and John don't say that. Matthew says it. Truly, you are the Son of God. That's what they did not get at the feeding of the 5,000. No one said that, especially the disciples. These 12 knuckleheads didn't say that. They said, wow, you fed 5,000 plus people with a couple of loaves of bread. What an incredible feat. Surely you must be the son of God. No, they didn't say that. They didn't say anything. The crowd said, this might be a prophet. Let's make him a king. No one said that he was the son of God. So here's the moral of the lesson. This is what they did not get. This is their failure on the field. They failed in the field, but they got victory on the water. Truly you are the son of God. They didn't say that when they fed the 5,000. In Mark, same story. They said, says, uh, they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. Remember that? Their hearts were hardened. I have to stop. So you're going to have to come back next week to, to hear about the secret miracle. You know what? I'll give you, you, can, you can read your Bibles. You guys can study and try and figure it out. But uh, it's interesting, and it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, uh, so to wrap it up real quick. 
Get yourself centered on who Jesus is. You're, you're going to have miracles in your lives, and, and they're going to be, they haven't been released yet. They haven't been released for a lot of different reasons. We're going to cover some really important reasons next week. But sometimes miracles aren't released in your life because because you haven't um, you haven't taken on the character or the fruit of the spirit. You haven't you didn't do what Jesus did with being true to who he was and, and disconnecting and, and serving others, being selfless in nature. You haven't you haven't seen miracles released because you're not calling out to him. You're not getting his attention. Like he's walking by. And you don't understand who he is. He's a ghost to you. But in your past, he was real. Like you saw him do miracles. Review your history. Make Jesus real again instead of this phantom. He's not a phantom. He's real. And then don't take your eyes off of him. Don't focus on your problems and your pain and and the worry of life and the, the turmoil and the tempests, the storm that you're in. Don't focus on the storm. Focus on Jesus. Take a step out of the boat and then let Jesus into the boat. I have the the band come up to the front. And as they're on their way up to the front, um, again, you need a miracle in your life. Everybody needs a miracle in your life. This this church needs a miracle. And we, we, okay, we need a financial miracle. We're short in our budget. I I can't see how it's going to make it, but you know what? We need a financial miracle in our church. We just do. And, um, but you know what? It needs more than that. And this will be the topic of next week. It needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the miracle that I'm after. Uh, yeah, I'd like to be able to pay the bills. I'd like to be able to give, to give my staff a Christmas bonus this year. That, that, that's my heart's desire. But... What is more important is that we see the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit in you manifest. Living a supernatural lifestyle, the complete transformation of the heart is the ultimate miracle in creation. That's what I'm after. I'm after it for myself, and I'm praying for it for you. It's obtainable. It's obtainable. We've got a lot of work to do. And I hope that you come back next week and hear the rest of the amazing message and the secret miracle. <laughs> Let's pray. If I could have the, uh, the ushers come to the front, please. With every uh, head bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for you. Now, God gave me a word this morning that there are people that... Um, they feel like a fish out of water. Like they're not, they, they, feel, they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. They, don't, they feel awkward in their environment. It's like they don't know what to do. So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if that's you, I'd, love to, I'd just love to pray for you right from the stage and, and just give you a blessing. If you don't feel like you're, like you're fitting in or if you don't know what to do with your life, you feel like a fish out of water, just raise your hand. I'd like to just give you a blessing this morning. God bless you. God, right now, I just pray for my sister that you, God bless you over there too. I pray for my sisters right now 
that you would encourage them, that you'd give them a new identity, that you would give them a, a powerful encouragement of purpose in their life, that they matter, that they're significant, and that they can do all things through Christ that gives them strength. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, right now, I just pray that you bless this offering to its fullest extent. I pray that this church, that we thank you in advance for the miracles that you're going to do in this church, for the financial miracles that you're going to bring in. God, we thank you in advance for the kingdom of heaven that will be expressed in this church, where marriages will be saved and restored, where poverty will be undone, where justice will, your justice will, will come to a head, and where you will receive glory for every miracle that happens here. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus.